Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Dublin Tech Talks. It's all about leadership today. Um, we'd like to always thank our partners, Maris Meyer and WorkHuman. Um, we are going to be talking to uh, Barbara Monaghan and um, Sharon Damel, uh, who are leadership specialists within startups. They, we're going to be discussing uh, the power of leadership and the power of brand. Um, I say it in the show, and I'll say it again here. I'm a, a, a secret uh, leadership geek. Uh, it's something that is one of my favorite places for learning. Um, we talk everything around the evolving leadership space from managers to leaders, how important that is uh, within startups specifically, about how a, a leader can evolve into, in, you know, founder into leader, um, from a co-worker into uh, leadership, how important that is. Uh, Barbara discusses everything around um the brand aspect is a space that I've never really thought about, uh, but it's all about projecting the company's brand through its leader uh, and onto the market. Um, really interesting episode, and we hope you enjoy. Sharon Daymill, uh, Barbara Monaghan, welcome to Dublin Tech Talks. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you very us. much. So we're going to talk about leadership and the power of brand today, and I'm actually geekily super excited about this because I, I really I really enjoy leadership I really enjoy brand and, and I love how it's kind of evolved over the, over the last while so we'll start with a bit of introductions Sharon do you want do you want to start um yeah so I specialize in leadership for scaling companies I work primarily with leaders who are stepping into new roles and the organization wants them to accelerate that process um and I'm also very passionate about intercultural communication and that's based on my own experience. So very often nowadays, leaders are no longer dealing with monocultural teams. Not only geographically are they dispersed, but also if they are enough in the office, then they can be quite um, diverse and giving them tools and strategies to be able to get the best out of their teams um, because, you know, diversity does bring innovation to a whole new level. But if you don't have the ability to be able to harness that, then it can become very disruptive. Yeah, 100%. Barbara? I call myself a harmonious disruptor um, because I will quietly challenge traditional business thinking um, to bring businesses forward into their futures, um, developing the brand, developing how they communicate the brand, how the whole thing comes together. And speaking to their audience in a way that their audience, it means something, it adds value to their audience. So that's what I do. I do it through workshops um, collaborative workshops. And um, yeah. Is it, is it mainly workshop based, coaching based? What time? It's is a it? bit of both. Mm. Um, I do I do the, co- the collaborative workshops yeah. and then I bring it in together into what I call a brand manifesto. It's basically a document that you can guide mm. everything by. So that document will then uh, feed into your marketing, feed into your PR, feed into your content creation and all of that stuff. I don't want to just give that to people and leave them stranded <laughs> so I do actually do brand coaching as well yeah. so I will I will work with people on a continual basis as long as they need me um, to communicate the brand. Okay bro. I, I, as I said I'm, I'm excited about this one so uh, le- leadership in general so obviously we're, we're 20 years ago, it wasn't called leadership, it was called management um, <laughs> and it was being more kind of do what I do what I've told you to do and and obviously it has evolved into a more collaborative environment and leaders are seen as you know 
people that you want to go at North Flags and all that kind of stuff. So what are your thoughts? We'll start back to Sharon. What are your thoughts on kind of where leadership has been and, and where it's gone and the effects of that on organizations that have adapted into that kind of collaborative environment, especially say startups that have probably easier to do it versus maybe more monolithic businesses that are may have struggled and, and needed that coaching or needed that world of, of kind of realisation that leadership has changed. So I'll, I'll leave it there. The, a very open-ended question. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, you're right. It has changed enormously, certainly from when I was a young leader. Um, you know, my first role was managing people and I was a subject matter expert, but I had no idea about performance management. In fact, the company I worked for at the time had just introduced performance management and we were treating it as a tick box exercise. Yeah. Um, we didn't realise the importance of those powerful moments where making, listening to your people, understanding what their you know dreams are, what their aspirations are um, and how important that piece is in terms of motivation and the opportunity to share your vision and feedback and recognition. No idea. It was like, did you do whatever X and did you achieve your goals at the end of the month? Thanks very much. And it was based on years of service. That's how, mm. we, you know, it was in the good old days. But thankfully, things have moved on now. Um, but I think certain things have happened in the last couple of years, which we've all had that shared experience and trauma at times with COVID and with the Ukraine, where it's dramatically changed how we work now, where we're now looking at remote leadership, hybrid leadership. And people really struggle with that piece. You know, particularly people who are dynamic leaders who really rely on their personality. You know, they're the ones cajoling people and they, you know, they yeah. really enjoy talking to people. Um, you miss out on so much. And how do you create um, that sense of belonging that you matter when you only talk to people maybe once a week? Um, how do you and particularly when, you know, I think that was the big impact of poor leadership during COVID when mm. you had a huge issue was retention. You know, you had what's called the massive resignations happening all over the place. And you saw the outcome of poor leadership yeah. and not necessarily poor leadership. It's just people didn't know how to handle it. They didn't know what to do. Um, you know, Barbara calls herself the harmonious disruptor. I call myself the practical enabler. Um, people didn't have there's just basic tools and they struggle. So what they did was most of us do. And certainly what I did as a young leader is I did the work myself. Yeah. I didn't want to be asking people because I knew that they were struggling and I was um, whatever. So there's a lot of different challenges facing um, leadership today. Um, I think AI is huge, going to have a huge impact because it's very easy to be busy doing stuff. And can, at the end of the day, you have your nice list to do list. But at what point during that day did you inspire? Did you motivate? Did you connect with somebody to help them feel like they're part of the team? Mm. Did you help them to understand how they and what they do impacts on the overall objectives and the vision of the organisation? And that's the difference between management and leadership. And I, I, I'll back and forth on this in my head. Like le leadership to me is a thought skill or learned skill. And, and for the, the, the talk we're doing later tonight, I asked people, did they get for um, people who are attending about formal training within leadership? And mm. like two thirds haven't. Absolutely. So like I would have guessed it might have been a bit higher, like half, but two thirds mm -hmm. haven't. And and I think that's just such a yeah. a disaster when it comes to like an organization where mm. if you're trying to bring in a brand of a leader and this, what you're trying to do is how you coach somebody to lead is is very difficult. Like it's not... You can come in as like a lot of people are turned on the next day of like you've got your promotion, you were a, a lead, but suddenly you're you 
next week you're coming in as manager of four divisions. It's, a real, it's very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult because, you know, you're putting them into that. They're subject matter experts. They're so good at what they do. Mm. And I work with leaders who are the brightest in their fields. And yet um, all of a sudden they don't know how to, you know, do what they need to do to show up as a leader. Um, and it's very distressful for them mm. and very overwhelming for them. So people will default to what I experience is they'll default to what they think leadership is. They'll default to a boss that they used to have and think, oh, if that's what a leader looks like, then I'll just copy them. Mm. But when you copy somebody else's leadership style, and that's something Barbara and I are being collaborating on, is all you're doing, you're never going to be your best because that's somebody else's best. Yeah. Um, and that's really, really important. And it's giving, um, because at the end of the day, if you really believe that you ha your people have the potential, you have to give them the support network that they need. And the conversations that I have with you know, my people who engage me are saying they need to influence more. They need to be able to deal with conflict. They need to be able to collaborate across, you know, the organization. Um, they need to think more strategically. So that's what I get asked to work with them on. Yeah. But what they say to me is, how do I go from body to boss? Yeah. Like, I was out on the beer with these guys last Friday night. And now all of a sudden I'm responsible for their performance review. Yeah. But that's a mindset shift. Where you say to them, if the shoe was on the other foot, how would you want them to show up for you? You, they have aspirations, they have desires about where they want to take their career. So you, it's your responsibility to show up for mm. them. It's interesting, um, Mackenzie's did this really interesting study where they looked at what are the common traits of great leadership? And there's four that all of the leaders have. And then the rest was down to individual style. Mm. So the four basic ones are perspective taking, problem solving, support and mentor your team. And the last one is delivering results. So yeah. that's the four things they all had. And then the rest was down to their individual style. Some are people leaders, some are change leaders, some are thought yeah. leaders. And that's where we, you know, can help them to really unpack that. And um, and it's a it's such a game changer for people because they realize I, I work with a lot of what I call reluctant leaders. So these are the subject matter experts. I, I was about PhDs. to say start, startup world moving from a, yeah. a, a, a founder to leader to a CEO of a substantial business is daunting. It hasn't, there isn't that many successes yeah. <laughs> at the CEO level or MD. They they might get pushed off as, as the business grows, yeah, as, they, yeah. as, mm -hmm. as the money comes in. Yeah, I think they're so busy um, focusing on the customer at the mm. beginning, which is what all startups yeah. do. You know, 80% of the focus is on the customer, 20% on the people. But then as you grow, as your business grows and becomes more successful, in order to continue to deliver your customer to your customer, yeah. you then need to shift the focus to people. And if you're, a, you know, a tech specialist or an engineering mm. specialist, do you remember the part of the course where they spoke about how to motivate, how to inspire, yeah. how to deal with conflict, how to delegate, how to, you know, there isn't much focus on those courses yeah. um, and they find themselves in that difficult situation. Yeah, hundred percent. And and Barbara, the brand side of that, so or even the person side, how, how is that coached? Yeah, um, is that an assessment-led way, so or what way do you do that, sir? I yes. Yeah, so I would uh, what just to go back to a point that yeah. Sharon made there about the eighty twenty. So at startup phase, it's eighty eighty percent on your customers, and then when it comes to the scale up phase, it's twenty percent on your yeah. customers, and that's 
that's where you're going to lose customers. You know? <laughs> so, um, big time. So um, the thing about developing a brand, you know, you've got to you've got to know yourself, first of all, as a leader, you've got to know who you are, what your strengths are. Where can you add value? How can you show up and how can you create meaning? So it's about doing that for your employees and looking after your employees. Um, Because if you can get that right and you can build a culture where everybody's involved, everybody is, you know, really wanting this business to succeed, then that will automatically go out to your customers. They will see it. If you've got a purpose, if if you're driven by that purpose, your customers will see that and it'll all come back in the same way. So it's about building that culture. It's about developing your own style of leadership, knowing where the gaps are and um, having a brand that will guide you and a purpose that will guide you towards your destination. Interesting. And the brand side, sorry, this is just, especially with what's gone on kind of Q, like last back end of 22 and started 23 with layoffs and stuff like that. As a leader, when you're implementing changes to your organization like that, how does that affect the mindset of your employees and how do you bring that back onto a brand? So if you've brought people on this journey, say a, a, one of the fangs that have brought you along and that you've been a part of their family and they people feel you're part of the family and suddenly there's layoffs and the family has been disrupted. Mm. That that has to be a change of kind of mindset for for your team. And how, as a leader, how do you get back on brand, or how do you get back into 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 the safety zone? Yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, and sorry, I'm asking that question because that's what I've seen people now that are either leaving companies or joining companies. They might be reluctant because they're like, well, they said they were this, and they did but this. Not. But like, yeah. so what is it? Yeah, but they're not. It's actually it starts with. Um, Okay, so you know who you are as leader. You you mm. know your own strengths. You know your own weaknesses, um, and then going into the business, you know what the business needs to do. You know where the the mm. brand is with the business. So it's about if you can build that culture piece collaboratively. Mm. Um, it starts with the values. So you've got to. It's like a lot of people say, oh, yeah, we've got values. We've got them up on the wall and it's all about honesty and integrity. And to be honest, yawn, yawn. That's not what it's about. It's about values that can be, you know, actionable, that Mm. are in the company that you can use, that you can do immediately. And that's how you behave. Mm. You behave according to those values. So that values will then allow you to know what, how you're going to get to your purpose. So that's what I call your mission. So you've got a vision for the business. How are you going to do it? So that's your mission and vision. And then that all feeds up into the purpose at the top of the pyramid. Your purpose never changes, but everything you do should be guided by the purpose. I, I can give you an example. Please if do, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you heard recently the story about Patagonia. Um, yeah. Patagonia is an incredible brand. They fed into the values that the business owners had values. They had standards. They fed that into the business. That became the values and the standards of the business. Their purpose is in business to save our home planet. And everything they did was going towards saving the saving the planet. They developed a secondhand uh, range of clothing which is called Warnwear. Yeah. Um they were they're quite activists as well. So they had little messages sewn in under their labels, political messages and stuff like that. You know, just things like yeah. that that they that they did. That was part of their their thing. That was that was what they were doing. Um and as they left the business they set up a charity and the 
charity's sole purpose is to plough every profit from Patagonia back mm. into saving the planet. That's what you call but a brand. <laughs> they would be an outlier, wouldn't they? In, in my thoughts. So you, you'd look at all the successful companies. I'm not going to say all, but the majority of successful companies. They they came with a purpose. Yeah. We'll take Meta as, as our use case here was to become share an environment and everybody to get to know each other. Money comes into the organization and they get shareholders and that purpose changes straight away. They become a revenue generating business with stakeholders. They've lost their purpose. They've lost sight of, of the vision. You have that to, they... As a leader there, I'm just not every company is going to get to a meta size, but as, as an organization grows, how as a leader or as an organization do you adapt to that? Because that's where every scale-up company wants to get to. But once you take that investment in day one, your purpose kind of changes to... Shouldn't, yeah. So it's a very yeah. difficult balance to try and get. Yeah. And we all yeah. can't be a Patagonia. We, we all can't be meta. Like there, there yeah, has to be yeah. a middle ground. But as, as a leader of scale-ups, do you see that changing them? or And then back to the purpose and the brand and everything that goes with that. Is that that middle ground that's just really difficult to deal with? It is difficult and it really does come to, like your purpose should never change. Your mission and your vision can change, but your purpose should never change. So, you know, in business to save our home planet, everything you do should be guided to that. And if you've got, you know, if you've got a good brand, the shareholders that you take on, etc., should also believe mm. in this. And if they don't, you shouldn't be doing it. But then you suddenly have people that have invested in your business and want to return in the end. So being that type of company does it does fundamentally change how an organization goes. Yeah. You know, when it comes to leadership, I think first of all, I believe that, you know, true leadership, if you think about people who inspired you in, in your own yeah. personal life, nobody there is no permanent job anymore. Like nobody has a mm. job for life. But I think that your employees and the people who work for with you are the best ambassadors you could ever have. So businesses will, you know, there is no, there's very few unicorns out there. That's why they're called unicorns. Mm. Um, but there is a lot of very successful businesses that's, just, you know, that have ridden the waves of COVID and the Ukraine and everything else that will come at them. And it's because they, they believe in not just their brand, but also they believe in their people. Yeah. And when you believe in people, you're also recognising like there's constant change happening, constant uncertainty. So just like we have to adapt and learn in our personal lives, so too do businesses and leaders have to adapt. And what worked well, like that's the whole thing is why scale ups struggled so much yeah. is that they apply, you know, what what got you to where you are today will not get you to where you want to go in the future. Mm. And you reach that critical inflection point where things like investment, money, people, processes all have to change. And the secret to that is your people are the leaders and how they interact with the teams and what impact they have. Um, I think Peter Senege has a great quote about, you know, when a bird is sitting on a tree, they're not worried about the branch breaking because they believe in themselves and their ability to fly regardless of what happens yeah. to us. And I think, you know, this is very aspirational. This is my you know idea. But if you have an organisation that believes in the people and helps them to grow and develop and meet the challenges that come at them and recognise, you know, OK, um, AI is coming. How is that going to impact us? You yeah. know, we're, there's a lot of fear out there. And managing people through f massive change and fear 
is up to the leader, but that's not something we studied in the books. You know, there's no, there's no Harvard, you know, like they just don't. Um, there has to be a Harvard Business Review on it. Absolutely. There, there, there definitely is. But that comes down to things like emotional intelligence yeah. and empathy and cultural intelligence and customer intelligence. Um, and it's, you know, if the focus is all on the financials and there's no space, like one of the things I see is, you know, people are, they don't even have time for one-to-ones. Mm. Like the, the simple things, the magic dust happens in regular one-to-ones. People say, oh, what am I? Like, talk to your people, find out what's going on mm. in their world. Um, I think there's been a huge learning curve over the last couple of years. Has that, is that a, an excuse because we went remote and people felt that you didn't have to do the basics anymore. Yeah, I think, and that's where that's where the great. Like, and it's, I was working recently with somebody who told me they had one. They spoke with their team once a month. Mm. Uh, if I was, if they could see me, they would have seen me falling off the chair. It's like, you know, where you know, because at the end of the day, remote, hybrid, face to face, regardless, mm. people want to feel like they belong, that they matter, yeah, and that they have psychological safety, not job safety, psychological safety, yeah. Um, and that only happens through building trust and trust only happens through regular communication um, and consistency. Mm. And if that's not happening, if your leaders, if your leaders, their only focus is to do their tick list and what they have to focus yeah. on and they don't see the people part of their role as strategic, as critical, that's where the wheels are going to come off. And that's where people don't manage change. That's where they don't manage the scale up piece very well. Because the human nature is, we want to, we, you know, we don't like feeling uncomfortable. They say that the, the, the statistic is 70% should be in your comfort zone and 30% in your stretch zone. Okay. So think about what you're doing in your own role and what part of that is different every day. And if it's, if it's the other way yeah. around, all you're doing is you're 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 triggering your stress response, and you're not showing up at your best when you're when you're stressed out. Yeah, I I, I when I was I did the IMI leadership course, and one of the things there was the people you're learning from, and and you get to a point where, you know, are these people going to bring me to the next part of my career? Yes or no? And th and I thought that was a great way of thinking yeah. about. Like my job is is about finding people new jobs or, or coaching them around their career paths as well, and it's. Do you know that that line to me stuck with me forever? It's yeah. like, okay, are you in the organisation where you'll be better in five years? And especially junior people coming up, they're so quick to move. And I'm always like, so, but what's wrong? What are you missing? What what's that bit of that? If you move to an ex company, what are you doing? And it does come back to, will I learn from the people in front of me quicker? here or if I went somewhere else and it, it, it's a massive part of it. Absolutely. People want to be developed. You know, that's what the key yeah. thing. People will stay because of the op developmental opportunities yeah. and not for the for the, the money. It's it's actually I, I was working with um, a company the last year or so and I said to them, am I your secret retention weapon? And he said, yes, <laughs> you are, Sharon. And and I know that because the, the leaders I was working with, he said, Sharon, I got a, I've been getting offers on LinkedIn. It's so mm. easy. And it, well, it was much better money. And I said, why didn't you take it? And he said, because when I asked them, what were their development plans for me? They said there were none. Mm. So how many scale ups? And that's the problem with scale ups is yeah. that they have so many balls are literally juggling so many different things at one time. Um, and it's when you look at the short term focus and not the long term focus where you forget that the only way that we're going to deliver and, and grow and develop this business and be successful is if we take our people with us. Yeah. And you can't stop people walking away. 
um, that's going to happen. But if they walk away saying, wow, that is an amazing company to work for. I'm, you know, I'm sorry I left yeah. or, you know, that's what you want to create. It's, it's, it's very unusual and that people journey that startups or scale-ups take on a senior people officer before 50 hires. And I find that bonkers because you're hiring, say, 20, 30 people and there's no people strategy around that. And that's the most important. They're the people out of your bedrock of your company and the focus is to get the engineers in. And, and, they, and you can't bring in, you can't incorporate your culture, you can't bring in your yeah. brand, you can't do yeah. any of that unless there's somebody and a, C, a founder CEO of 40, 30, 40 people is going to be too busy to that's, focus on that. And I find that crazy. as yeah. a, And that's a... Like that's where you need a, a chief brand officer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you need to implement all of yeah. this. You need to, you know, to have that retention, to have that brand advocacy within the company. Um, you need to have somebody managing the brand. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've recently spoken to somebody who is taking on a chief brand officer and hopefully we'll see more of it here soon. And, and oh, OK, chief brand, new, new job title, I like this. <laughs> um, that, that's purely focusing on the internal... No, external as well. Oh, no, brand is everything. Brand is internal and external and it's marrying both of those together. Um, What skill set's that? Sorry, I'm not trying to be (laughs) flippant there. Is that like a marketing background? No, it's not marketing. People? um, It comes before all of that. So... It's um, it's it touches every aspect of the yeah. business. Brand touches every aspect of the business, and as Sharon said, you know, um, you need intuition and empathy in the boardroom as well as the, yeah. as well as the the spreadsheets and the the numbers. Um, so so brand is actually touching every aspect. It's it's figuring out who you are, why why yeah. you do what you do beyond making money. It's figuring out who the target audience is. Why do they want you? What does it matter? Why does it matter to them? Um, so you're trying to marry all of that together. You're trying to figure out how you're going to show up. Yeah. Um, how you're going to show up to your audience, how you're going to show up to your employees. Um, how involved are your employees in the business? I love that. So it's like the tone and voice. It's everything. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's the character, the tone, the voice, the the values and building that culture and doing it collaboratively, which is, you know, breaking down the silos. Wow. OK, there you go. <laughs> new today. Yeah, I love that as an idea as a, a brand officer internally and externally. Yeah. I think yeah. it's really important. Yeah. The more we go. Yeah. That probably comes back to the, like one of the points that brought the training side, which right in your wheelhouse here. So why why is there a reluctance for companies? You might say there isn't, but for bringing people in externally to train people within brand, within leadership, is, is, is do you see a reluctance or is it just a a time element that people don't feel it, it, it's the right thing. They don't understand it. Okay. They don't understand it. And that's the biggest issue, I think. In, in what way? When I talk about it, um, I have to talk a lot about it and I have to educate people. Yeah. But they don't actually see it. They don't actually see that they need brands until you show it to them. And then they realise, oh, actually, yeah, that does make sense. But, it, you know, they what, just What don't... would a red flag be in, internally that you're kind of going, crap, I need, a, I, need, I need to sort this out now? It's the communication piece usually. They usually find that they're not connecting. They might jump to the short-term fixes because yeah. that's what people do naturally. The human nature is that we want a solution. So they jump to the short-term fixes and they start creating loads of content and they start um, jumping to marketing plans and they start jumping to PR. 
But if you think about the microphone, <laughs> yeah. as we are here, you know, is that microphone projecting the right voice for the for the brand, for the company, for for you? And if it's not, it usually isn't until you've done the brand work first. So the brand work, doing the brand work first will make sure that you get all the pieces right. The jigsaw fits together properly. Yeah. And then when you use the microphone, you're projecting the right voice and therefore you're attracting the right audience. OK, brilliant. <laughs> take it. I'm glad this has been recorded so I could take my own notes. <laughs> and Sharon, what, what would you see as, as the kind of the, the pivot point where in, in a scale up should should a founder always have somebody they can have a confidant as a coach or that's either when you're building out your team, what stage should a, a leadership consultant type person yeah. be engaged and when is it too late? <clears throat> Um, I think when you're able to share two pizzas, you know, when you're sitting around the garage table, it's great because yeah. you are you're feeding off each other. You're inspired by each other. It's as soon as you in start introducing layers and the very thing that has you in that role, it's your subject matter expertise, whatever that is, how much of that involves the capability to lead people. Um, and I think that we tend to we lead from what we think is how what we like. So everybody's different. You know, some people are give me a task and I'll go off and do it and don't interrupt me till I'm finished because that's how what I like to do. I'm very focused. I don't like the interruptions. Other people will want regular, you know, communication. They want, you know, to be able to check in. Everybody's different mm. in how they want. And I think I always say to people is you don't need to know everything. Mm. All you need to do is ask. Ask people, what, what does good communication look like to you? You know, when it comes, one of the things that people dread the most is feedback. How do I do feedback? You know, how do I do a performance review? 360 it's like feedback's they'd ever pretty. Yeah, <laughs> they'd much rather, you know, remove the tea stains from the teaspoons in the kitchen yeah. than give the feedback. Um, and again, because they think they have to have all the answers. And, you know, no, you don't. Yeah. What you do need to do is ask, because also that's something that is affected by culture. So depending on where you're from, um, depending on your background, mm. you might look good feedback to you might be, you know, three positives and one negative. In another culture, it could be, you know, just tell me what I'm doing wrong so I can fix it. I don't want any of the, you know, yeah. of the positive things because and that can be very challenging. So you don't need to go and study every different culture in the world. You don't need to, you know, try and second guess every second person. Ask them. Yeah. And that can be done at the onboarding stage. I think like your organisations like you can pay a huge role in that, in getting, helping the, the client to understand, yeah. you know, what what do these people like in terms of how we can, how they like to be communicated within the team? You know, often I get asked, you know, they need to speak up more. And that's where the introverts in the team, you know, because we we think that, People aren't speaking up. If we look at it through our lens, yeah. it's because they're disengaged or they're not interested or they have nothing to add. And when you shine the lens of culture on that, it could be that in their culture, the boss, yeah. you don't speak up in front of the boss. You don't say things in front of the team about, you know, what what they might perceive to be criticism. Yeah. So it's not about you having to know all of this stuff. It's about you taking the time to get to know people and ask them the right questions. Um, and that's challenging and that's hard, but it's so worth it because when you invest in understanding your people as a leader, doesn't matter what level you're at, ask them, you know, think what affects us is communication, feedback, even how we persuade. Um, what does good negative, what does, co what does conflict look like mm. in your team? Um, 
and always giving them, you know, let, let's get it all out on the table, guys. And as soon as people, new people come in, then it's time to review it again, because the assumption is, you know, that's what culture is, is how we do things around here. The assumption is that everybody else will see, oh, this is how we do things around here. But maybe I'm from a place where I don't appreciate, you know, you calling me out at a meeting. Yeah. Um, so it's having that, it's pressing. I always say to people, slow down to speed up. It is so worth spending the time getting to know people, asking the questions and as team spending time together and agreeing what, you know, on our charter, you know, how do we do things in our team? Yeah. How do we criticise each other? How do we show up for each other? Unpacking all of those things. I know that word, everybody hates that word unpacking, but it, it is actually literally that. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be complicated. I think Barbara and I were Googling how many leadership books out there, you know, it's I overwhelming. It, it? <laughs> it did. Like it's something like 40 million, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Where do you course, start? Every, every time there was like, there's a book here, there's a book here. Oh. I was like, here, I, I don't that. <laughs> and, and that's what I think what we're doing is really that we, we break it down into mm. bite-sized pieces, you know, because people are so busy. They're juggling so many balls. There's so many things that mm. they have to get right. Empower them, give them practical tools that they can walk away, try this out, see how it works and then come back and let's try the next piece. And that's a hell of a lot more empowering and um, impactful, yeah. I believe, because they don't have time. You know, if you tell them, oh, you have to go off and do an MBA, you're like, oh, my God, my wife or my partner's going to divorce me. My kids are going to leave me. Don't mind my partner. It's a huge amount of time and investment and it's well worth it. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But let's give them easy, quick solutions yeah. that they feel I'm making progress. I'm, I've got this. So before we f finish up, we got talking because you're going to be doing an event for us later tonight, uh, Unleashing Leadership and Brand Strategy for Scaling uh, Success. What would people expect if, if they are to engage you? What What is the kind of the three, four takeaways that you'd get from an event like tonight or if, if they were to engage you as a, as a partnership? I think um, if they come along tonight, um, they will definitely see more about how leadership and brand are intersecting and why it matters to bring the two of them together. Um, and if they engage with us, um, we will um, offer them a collaborative workshop where um, we will bring leadership and brand together. We'll work through some uh, strategies, some exercises. Uh, to get them to the point that they need to be at. So um, we'll look at building that trust. We'll look at building the the perception, what perception they want to, to put out there. Um, we will look at, um, you know, the, their purpose and the culture that they're looking to build and all those kind of things. So we look at all aspects of it and get them to a point. Uh, the, we have an online course where we will bring them personally yeah. as leaders to a point where they can call themselves a harmonious disruptor or a practical enabler or, um, or similar. But well, they will get to know themselves as leaders. Perfect. I will put all the dates that you have your courses on when, when this comes out. So we'll, we'll have all that there. So okay, there'll be no problem. Um, Sharon Barber, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. And I'm actually really looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very and, much. Um, no, thank thanks you. for taking your time out. And it's been such a, a, a really interesting conversation. There's so much more we could talk about, but unfortunately, time has got the better of us. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for being on Dublin Tech Talks. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks a million. <laughs>